What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to The Quick Cage, where Frank watches Nick Cage movies, so you don't have to. Frank, uh, which Nicolas Cage movie are you going to tell us about tonight? So, I almost hesitate to call this a Nicolas Cage movie because he's in it for a total of maybe like six or seven minutes in the entire two hours and 20-some minutes. Um What's, what's, what's the problem? Tonight, we're going to talk about a 2016 Snowden. Um, Oliver Stone helmed biopic um, dealing with the, the plight of Edward Snowden, uh, stealing information from the NSA and basically selling it to or giving it to China and Russia um, to expose the United States extensive spying efforts on its own people. Um. Something which I remember like pretty distinctly from the time, like talking about a lot. I don't know if you and I really talked about it like a huge amount, but definitely like when when I was working at the steel mill, like they were talking about it constantly. Sure. Um, So the film is based on, I guess, a book that was written at the time about like what happened with Snowden. And so uh, film written and filmed, about three years after the entire event took place. Um, it sort of follows, um, it's told in like a fractured timeline or flashback, I guess, kind of where uh, the set piece of the movie is Snowden in the hotel room, like talking to the um, reporters that would eventually break the story um, prior to his flight. Where um, he's in a hotel room in Hong Kong and it's prior to his uh, flight to Russia. Um, where he remains as a citizen now, uh, expatriate from the United States and with his wife and a child and I guess never to return to the U.S. Um, unless there's some, I don't know, crazy pardon that happens at some point, which doesn't seem like it'll ever happen. Uh, Gordon Le- Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays uh, Snowden. Um, reading some reviews of the movie, his performance got a lot of praise. Um, I found him to be pretty one-note. Um, like mostly wooden throughout and affecting like a weird deeper voice which doesn't feel I don't know authentic like when you're watching it to me anyway um no I mean wooden is um wooden fits the role to me so maybe I don't know like I've only ever seen a couple than wooden but yeah um, I just know more about it just from like the general like story of what happened in the you know the evidence that he had released and then the backlash that's happened over the past you know seven or eight years sure regarding people like basically calling him a traitor and someone who like put numerous American lives in jeopardy and I don't know um so it jumps back and forth between him 
um, hiding out in this hotel room and talking to these reporters, um, one of which is Zachary Quinto. Um, and then his like life, like going through uh, being discharged from the military for being having like broken legs, basically like being unable to physically perform the duties of a soldier um, to getting into the CIA to basically moving up pretty quickly through the ranks of like CIA intelligence and then leaving the CIA because he had moral issues and coming back in a couple more times as a consultant through companies like uh, Booz Allen. Um, honestly, you know, it's one of those things where how do you make an exciting because really it wants to be a thriller. So how do you make a thriller where the centerpiece of every scene that's supposed to be thrilling is some dude like typing on a computer, basically. Right. Um, I, I've thought about that before with this movie, like wondering how that would work, but yeah. Doesn't, I don't think, like I didn't necessarily find it to be particularly enthralling. Um, so one of the things they do to try and build Snowden as an, a, like a character with some depth is, um, his girlfriend is this pretty liberal, like artsy, like hippie yoga instructor type lady. Um, and so they kind of focus on his relationship with her throughout the majority of the movie. Um, it's the woman that would eventually become his wife. Um, and still, he's still with her. Um, so they start him as kind of almost like a, not really a neocon, but like a young Republican in the early to mid two thousands where he's very pro Bush and very pro war in Iraq. Um, doesn't feel like anyone should question the motives or the methods of the United States because he's like an ultra Patriot where he feels like America's above reproach um, to him, like sort of having that crumble through his own actions of, putting people in bad situations and just seeing people that he worked with, like use technology to basically watch people undress or have sex or, um, you know, people using it for their own financial gain or basically to like mess with political rivals. Like there's all kinds of stuff that they show that who knows if like any of those things like happen specifically in that same way. Cause the opening title card says that it's a dramatization of real events and like reading about some stuff that actually happened. There's characters and whole set pieces that are created just to make things more dramatic. Um, but again, I don't know how much it works. Um, we know um, you and I both have friends that are uh, programmers. Um, we've watched them code. I think both of us have like a very like, basic rudimentary knowledge of what code looks like and um they represent that pretty well i think here for being a movie that um having just watched having watched scream 2 last night and watching like the like the very basic like pop-up chat window type thing happened in that movie and it looks like moderately unrealistic from like what we saw when we were kids or young um, it's kind of interesting to see a movie that really captures what that looks like, except that there's times where it goes into some weird, uh, I don't know, like CGI-esque, like here's information shooting all over the globe and Snowden's in control of it and stuff. I mean, it's just kind of, 
an odd directorial choice. Um, it's not a terrible movie. It's one of those things where, like, obviously Oliver Stone is, at the very least, a competent director and can be, like, a really good director sometimes. So he knows what he's doing, and it's not, like, terrible in that respect. It's just not very interesting to me. Like, it's not a not a movie that I particularly cared ever to see and would never have watched were it not for um, the Nicolas Cage, you know, credit in it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in that because um, I, I have to look up his filmography, but I, I don't, I, I made this claim, but I feel like I haven't seen an Oliver Stone movie since the, the late nineties. Um, so I don't know what he's like now. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Much less daring. Yeah, let's see. Uh, you, you no, I've seen any given son. No, no, I saw Alexander. Alexander was the last thing I saw of his, um, which I did not like. Um, I did not see Alexander. Um, and then any given Sunday. So yeah, I've, I think I've seen everything before that. Um, so yeah, I haven't seen W. I haven't seen the Wall Street sequel, Savages. I don't even know what that is, and um, Snowden. I haven't seen. Um, and I haven't seen World Trade Center either. So, oh, that's coming. Yeah. Um, so what's so you said he's safer now? Well, I always think about things like to me, Oliver Stone is, um, I don't know, Salvador and Platoon and Wall Street. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I think of. And those movies have almost like a more I mean, cinema verite isn't the right term for it but they feel like much more like guerrilla filmmaking a lot of times Mm -hmm. and i think it's because stone in his youth was much more of a i don't know like a i mean he's firmly anti-establishment and that still is the theme of this movie right that basically the government is trying to fuck you all the time and you should never trust the government Mm -hmm. um but it just feels like it's filmed in a safer way. Like if it, it feels, I'm not the hugest fan of Platoon, but I like Platoon. But Platoon doesn't feel like a traditional Hollywood movie when you watch. It. Sure. Like there's elements of Platoon that feel like raw and dirty, and I don't. Yeah, know. I, I would even I would even argue there's like elements of that even in Born the Fourth of July. Sure. Um, like the. Do you think this is just something, because we're, we're going to be talking about this in a couple of weeks, I think, with somebody else as well, another famous director, but um, do you think this is just something that happens with age, though? Maybe. I think, so this is what I think. I, I think that Stone really believes in the importance of telling this story and doesn't want to do anything to lessen the impact of the story you're seeing, so he tells it as straightforward as he possibly can. Like, aside from the fact that the movie jumps in time constantly like back and forth it's an incredibly straightforward narrative like there's almost nothing in it where you feel you you can predict and again it's because like we lived through this you know less than a decade ago so i remember like my, so you know there's a 9-11 exhibit at the local library do you know about this yeah um, there's a remembrance of 9-11, you know, for the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. um, at the the new library down here in Northeast. And it's uh-huh. this it was this weekend and part of this week. And we were talking about it because um, 
Frankie's girlfriend went to it today. And my mom was talking about how interesting it would be. And I, and she said, would you want to go do that? And I said, not really, because it's been so recent and I've lived, like, I remember, like I lived it as a young adult and like, you know, I mean, pretty much we still have ramifications from it today. So I don't know what I would. Oh, sure. From, I mean, from Christ, Af- Afghanistan just fell today. Right. <laughs> you know, like you go to the Holocaust Museum and there's a weight to that. You know, there's a there's a sense of like timelessness to something like that, where it's so long before your birth that that happened that you feel like the heaviness of history. You know what I mean? Like when you're looking at that. Same thing sure. Like, I, to, I, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I would wonder what somebody that lived through that time would say um i think they would still feel that way to some degree because it happens on foreign soil um and you know it's it was so out of you know it wasn't mainstream it wasn't publicized quite as much but i mean like it's like i might go sorry no go ahead Uh, but it's like you know the things that happened like on on our soil like in this country if you live through it like yeah i don't see where it's as a, like why you want to go you live the history and if you're and if you're a conscious adult who like reads news and stuff like that like you know what the hell happened there's also so much like craziness inside this country that came out of that event in terms of people's perception one way or the other and sure I mean, obviously, you'd have to be pretty extreme to have any kind of, like, support for, like, terrorist acts. But, I mean, I think most rational people, you know, fall on one side as to whether or not are we justified in, you know, invading Iraq because of it. Are we justified in staying in the Middle East for, you know, 20 years because of this event? Like, and people will fall one way or the other. And it's just, like, we've lived that now for 20 years, so do I need to go and like relive it in the immediate term when I can, to your point, like turn on the news today and watch Afghanistan fall to the Taliban and still be reminded exactly of like those events, you know, because they're so close within my lifetime. Right. I mean, Christ, we're only like, what, like, I mean, we're a decade out from bin Laden being killed. Right. Like, I mean, at this point now, like, I mean, like we've been living this just piecemeal forever. Right. Like, so, so this is my point about half Snowden. of my adult life, half of our adult lives. This is my point about Snowden is that you're talking about events that are so immediate. Like, yeah. I mean, nine eleven is at least like right on the cusp of my son's lifetime. You know, sure. so the entire time that my kid has been alive, like this has been a thing, and Snowden is like almost a drop in the bucket of that. You know, to the point where like he still is. A relevant figure in the media sometimes like he'll come up and people will yeah. bring up i mean trump was just asked like two years ago if he thought he would pardon snowden you know so it's not like even like out of like mainstream yeah. popular yeah i i remember that and it's like you have to look into it because he wasn't he wasn't quite aware on it except for the fact that like he said he, that um, he deserved the death penalty when it happened. yes yes um unless he could find um obama's uh, real birth certificate and, and all that right mm. Anyway, but so, so so that it does lead me to the question that I have for you, like so, because this is so recent, on top of like the actual events when they happen, do you do you feel like the 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 political fault of the movie, like the the obviously my uh, I should say obviously, 
you can tell me if I'm right. My assumption is this is a movie that is trying to, even if it's fair, is trying to present Snowden and his actions in a positive light, right? It's not. It, it, there's nothing fair about it. Oh no! Okay, so no, okay, it's, so it's it's one hundred percent Oliver Stone. So does that detract from the movie then? Like the fact that it's like so obvious what he's doing? It's tiresome to me. Yeah. I mean, like even if I idealistically sort of agree with some of the things that Stone is saying, which obviously you know you don't want to spy on your own people. Like obviously, people definitely sure. abuse that you know the power that they had in terms of like what they did with. And we like this was a big thing back in, you know, again, like within the last 10 years of like, what is the government actually watching? And if you can mark anything as relevant, is anything really relevant? Like, or what, right. what are you really like finding by doing this? But then I'm sure there have been, you know, acts of domestic terrorism that have been prevented um, because oh, of this absolutely. kind of intelligence. You know? So I mean, it's. And look, I mean, like this, no matter what, like, you know, like the revelations of this, like I have exposed people to the idea of data collection, like so much more to where like average people kind of understand to some degree, like how data is gathered, if whether it's from the government or whether it's from Google or, you know, Snapchat or whatever it is, you know. Um, like, because all of like the the stuff like because there's so many different facets of the Snowden case, but it's like one of the one of the big ones is like the idea of metadata and how metadata is used to make a case against somebody, and that's just being used by companies for um you know advertising purposes, and so it's like well, people it did educate people more I think generally like on this idea of like how some of this data is being used that like it's just swirling around us in the ether like all the time like so to answer your question at no point does oliver stone ever look at the other side yeah okay of what national intelligence can do from a positive perspective sure except for making Snowden be this idealistic like cocky asshole for the first 25 minutes of the movie just so he can show him turn into being like this basically like at one point like neoliberal and then like ultra libertarian basically about just like personal freedoms and whatnot right right and it's it's completely an agenda based on almost like ascribing some sort of sainthood to edward snowden Mm -hmm. like there's really no negative aspect to him sure yeah, and even like I, yeah. one, one one time where he did some creepy shit like spying on his girlfriend mm-hmm. they kind of gloss over it and it's just sort of like one conversation like it doesn't make him seem like he was ever tempted you know by like the absolute power that he was able to wield so i i, I wonder if it's just a mistake to call it snowden if i, I feel it's like the, the focus on snowden i know he's the primary figure but it's like snowden the idea should be more important than the figure. And I know that you have to use the figure to get into it, but it's like, it just feels like, it just feels like a bad idea to make a movie about it. Just, just from the get go to me, like he's not I the mean, most the captivating figure in the world. <laughs> no, but and, he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's in every single scene in this movie. Hmm. I can't think of a scene 
where he's not like where it has because i mean obviously it's like auto it's it's almost autobiographical in that respect so how would he know what was happening if he wasn't there like then it just makes it anecdotal or whatever um i would not recommend watching this movie i found it to be a slog um maybe like 20 years from now there's some merit to it if you have no idea like what happened but ultimately did it really even affect anything because i feel like we're still living in the same society it's just to your point now it's a lot more commercialized like what they were able to do um so let's talk about nick cage well real quick can we just talk about the acting in general and include cage in that because i'm interested in I know you've already mentioned Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, what about the others, including Cage, like the supporting cast in this? I mean, I found Gordon-Levitt to be ranging from acceptable to wooden. Mm-hmm. Um, his girlfriend is fine. That's uh, Shailene Woodley plays his girlfriend. Um, she's more or less just there to, like, be a a foil to him in some ways, like in the beginning from like a political standpoint. And then in the end from like a emotional slash um, almost like duty and honor versus like personal need and safety or whatever. Um, Because again, he is made to seem to be like an absolute saint from a lot of perspective. Um, I don't know. Like Tom, Tom Wilkinson is fine in it. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Quinto and Melissa Leo have roles as like the reporters, and they're fine. Um, I'm trying looking through. Everyone has these like very generic, like real people names, so it's hard to remember who is what. Right. Uh, Re- Re- Actually, I liked um, Reese if if fans in it and Lakeith Stanfield both. Um, and this guy Ben Schnetzer, who I don't know. Um, Timothy Oliphant is in it early on and actually just plays a creep. Um, which he does really well, like a smarmy, charming creep. That Ben Schnetzer guy, though, um, I just saw his name last week. Uh, he's um, he's the starring as uh, Yurik in Why the Last Man. The adaptation that's finally coming out. I think he'll be good in that role. I mean, he's got a very like relatable humanity to him. Um, he's also a creep in this movie, but kind of like a somewhat like you're fine with him as a creep, kind of like if that makes any sense. Right. Um, he's an engaging guy. Um, Cage is just this dude who works in the um, works at Quantico, like training new CIA agents. Mm-hmm. And he's um, he's basically it's it, it's Lester Freeman is his character. Mm. is he's a guy that was like really good at what he did but he questioned too many things um right and he was sort of blackballed because of it and now he's stuck working with um training at like uh code breaking and like um what are those machines called enigma machines or whatever Mm -hmm. like he works in the room where they have like all these old enigma machines um He's a guy that gives some advice to Snowden early on about like kind of keeping your head down and not trying to rock the boat because this is what can happen to you. Right. Um, but in one of the funniest things is towards the end, they show Snowden giving like an, an interview he gave in 2013 about 
like from Hong Kong, like why he did what he did. And um, Nick Cage is sitting there in his easy chair at his house, giving like fist bump, like, yeah, <laughs> like during the speech. So, uh-huh. but it's like 30 seconds at the beginning of when Gordon Levitt first goes to Quantico. And then they bring him back and there's like a, I'm sorry, it's like two minutes. And then there's like a three minute scene where he goes back to talk to him again before he leaves Quantico to go to Geneva, which was his first assignment. And then um, the brief bit at the end where he does the fist bump thing. So yeah, that's the extent of it. I mean, there's not even enough to really judge like Cage's performance. It's, it's, it's an NA. I mean, he's just doing, um, He's just he's just acting, right? He's just playing the role, right? Like he's not yeah. doing anything special or weird or anything, right? No, just delivering lines and yeah. he got nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Best Supporting Actor for this, but I think that's almost like maybe like a lifetime achievement at that point, not necessarily indicative. Well, they were doing that to him, right? Like for around this time period, because he was starring in so many bad movies, so they Yeah. It's it's weird to turn on that guy, like where it's like he was doing one of the reasons you started doing this, I think, because there's so much in the cage, like in the past decade, like in terms of these bad movies. But it's like some people saw that as a, you know, a, a weakness where they could start fucking with him. I think, um, but it's weird, like how like that was the thing around this time, five years ago, and now look at Cage's like reputation, like bouncing back again. Yeah. It also it, it it feels just like sour grapes in a lot of ways to like have that because again it's it's not even like enough to even consider him a supporting actor. He's a bit player. You know what I mean? Like there's no um Yeah. There's no way you could even consider him to be like anything more than almost just like window dressing in this movie or like a, a piece of scenery. Like every single actor that I mentioned has significantly more screen time and lines of dialogue than Nick Cage does. Yeah. And I think that, I think that Stone, I guess that they like maybe had a good working relationship because of World Trade Center at this point. So maybe Stone was just like, hey, do you want to work? Like, I know you need money. And Cage was like, yeah, I'll come out and do like one day's worth of dialogue and lines, and that'll be that. So. So this has a 61% from critics and a 70% from audiences. Um, too high? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of that is probably politically and ideologically motivated, those scores. Um, again, look, it's not like it's a terrible movie. It's just not, in my opinion, it's not very interesting. And I don't feel like it was needed or almost like not enough time has passed to make it relevant so i don't know whatever i mean that's fine probably i guess i would say it's a c c plus like it's like a six out of ten seven out of ten yeah there's just nothing um i just don't find him as a character to be Okay, so here's here's like maybe my major gripe with this movie is that you're supposed to believe that Snowden is pushed to the brink of like to the point of committing treason because he can't take any more about like what the government's doing, right? 
but most of the like he can't talk to anybody about it because it's all top secret and he's at his heart like they portray him still as a patriot so he doesn't talk to his girlfriend doesn't talk to his family right he every once in a while will have some like very minor um softly phrased like misgivings to superiors about it but he never tries to change anything and he like creates the code that is stealing all these people's information and he creates that code after he realizes like how much how wrong it is for the government to have that much power so like he's just as culpable for any of those things you know what i mean so yeah it's almost I, like, I think he, i mean i think he acknowledges that in real life i mean right which is fine from like the complexity of an actual human being right but within the context of a two-hour narrative of a film you can't tell that story in two hours and have it be like yeah really relatable or sure i don't know i just i i found it to be very again very one note it's 100 percent. there's no objectivity to it so from the opening beats you can tell how oliver stone feels about the subject and he's just manipulating you to get to a point you know you know what you know what's a good analogy for this movie did you have, have you watched glass yet the Shyamalan superhero universe movie? No. I never will, considering what you told me about. Right. Film. It's an incredibly flawed movie that could have been fantastic, and Shyamalan is so fucking jerk-off in love with himself that he can't help but make everything about him. So there's a scene towards the end of um, Glass where all the heroes are dead, basically. Um, Glass is dead. Bruce Willis is dead. The Beast is maybe dead, I think. Yeah, he's, he's he's dead. But they've, like, uploaded this footage of them being superheroes. And, like, it's shown to this, like, the whole world. And now it's, like, brought down this cabal of rich, regular humans who don't want superheroes to exist. Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking anticlimactic because... In a superhero movie with superpowered people, your climax is this boring ass scene of like every computer lighting up with like this put it, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it just undercuts the import of what's happened before. And it's the same thing here. Like there's just no no true feeling of you're not like pumped up and like, yeah, like I wanna stop the government from doing this year it's like all right like i guess you know what has it really changed and like what have you accomplished and really what did i just watch for two hours so i don't know it was the somewhat is here um last question i have for you you kind of said like a like a c so what's good about it is it the, it's just, just the script or like i mean what it, yeah it, it's completely competent okay there's some good lines. There's some interesting shots. I mean, again, Stone, whatever you think of his political leanings or however you feel about whatever his, um, you know, his choice of subject matter, he can film a movie. He knows what he's doing. Every single principle in the movie is fine. And I don't think it's even Gordon Levitt's fault, the performance. I think that you're dealing with a guy that they portray to be mildly on the spectrum, hyper-intelligent, 
very reserved, who does a job where he's never allowed to talk about what he does and who has the conviction to stick to that. So, like, what really do you get out of that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like... I mean, ultimately, it could have been something like the conversation, I think, really. Like, in... Right. With a little more dramatization and a different, like, director with less of an agenda maybe you can film this as like a taught like modern day political thriller but um instead it just he just comes off as kind of whiny and it's just sort of boring for the most part but confidently boring you know i wasn't yeah. like groaning or it wasn't torturous to watch it and it's relatively long like two hours and some odd minutes two hours and ten minutes maybe or something yeah um to use a Chris quote, it's like two hours and seven minutes with credits. Um, but nothing I would recommend. Like, there's no reason for you to ever go out and watch this movie. So, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I would say that about a, like a lot of Oliver Stone movies, like the idea that um, competent but boring. Um, Any given Sunday is a prime example. Uh, sure, I, I think um, Nixon is is another example of sure. that um movies he he gets good performances out of actors right they're always competently filmed yeah but because his predisposition is about a certain thing sure it's just not interesting like if 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 you know if you if, if you're spoiled on the ending like how are you ever interested in getting to that to that point you know what i mean right and like you know from the first 10 minutes what Oliver Stone wants you to think about this movie so okay, okay can uh, i do i since we're on stone cuz i'm really looking at his filmography here and i'm thinking about how many of these we'll ever actually talk about um and i don't think there's a lot so i i want to ask you while you're on talking about this movie um if you could like look at his filmography what what what's the best Oliver Stone movie or, or if you don't want to say best um, on the spot, like, you know, what are his, like, top three movies or something like that? I'll probably give you a top five. Yeah. We're just talking about um, him as a director, right? Not as a writer. Not as a writer, right, yeah. Um, this is not in any particular order. It's just the order I'm reading it in. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you Oliver Stone movies that are worth watching. Okay. I don't want to limit myself to five. Okay. Um, I think Platoon is worth watching, and I think it's. I, I think that anyone who cares about the Vietnam War or like has any interest in those movies should watch. Um, Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, and Platoon. I think all three of those movies are worth watching. Right. I think Wall Street is definitely worth watching. I think it's a good movie. Um, I think the Talk Radio is a fine movie. It's a fine movie. Yeah. Born on the Fourth of July is a good movie. Um, the Doors is not a great movie, but it's a really interesting movie with like one of the most I don't know, like deeply method performances ever. I think in terms of Kilmer's, um, what's his name, uh, J- Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Um, I think JFK is worth watching. Yeah, I think that movie's JFK is like one of the best, maybe his best movie. Yeah, I. I, I... It's it's one of it's it's top three for me I think but yeah it might be. Um, I think Natural Born Killers is flawed but worth watching still. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Nixon is too long and kind of boring. And I think have you have you seen Heaven and Earth? Yeah, but I don't remember really caring about it at all. Um, it's a very it's a very small story about a slice of Vietnam that you don't really get. Like I, I haven't seen it since I was like sixteen, but it was Oliver Stone, and I was you know a teenager. And um, I remember really liking that movie, but um, reading the critics now, like when I looked at it, it's like okay, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. But right, I don't I don't remember really having any fond affection for it. I've only seen yeah. it once, and it was like probably a year or two after it came out. Right, and for the yeah. same reason because I used to watch. Sure. I was a huge fan of war movies for, I don't know, up until, I mean, I, I still enjoy a good war movie, but, like, I loved war movies until I was in my, like, late teens. Yeah. Um. So I would watch anything that was about Vietnam or... Yeah, I think with, I think with me, it's like, when Band of Brothers came out, it was just like, okay, game, game's over. <laughs> like... Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're not going to get any better than that necessarily. I think, and and I was just tired of it because of the age I was. You know, I mean, I I think you've seen all the tropes of war movies most of the time by that age, right? So, uh, U-turn is not great, but it's fine. Like it's got some decent stuff. It's in interesting, it. yeah. Um, any given Sunday, I think if you care about football, is worth watching once. But I don't know that it's yeah. It pulls his punches too much. It's like um that perfect game movie with uh, Kevin Costner that fucking Raimi directed. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that was called. Yeah. It's like, oh man, owners are conspiring to make as much money as possible like crazy. Right. Like, oh, they're... You, you know what, actually? That fucking ESPN um, show that was on for like a year that was like football players. Do you remember that? Yeah, I forgot I all about called. that shit. Yeah, that I like that. I mean, that was probably a better example of like the same thing. Um, while still pulling their punches because who's you know who's going to shit on the NFL, especially like when that's your bread and butter. Playmakers is what it was. Called. Playmakers, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Because right, Stuart Stuart Scott used to always do the rolling thing that um I don't know. Yeah. That was in every um. Every uh, preview for that movie, every commercial. Um, I don't think I've watched Alexander all the way through, but I don't remember liking that movie. So I don't know. I mean, he's got around ten movies that are probably worth watching. I think Salvador's worth watching too, just for what's his name's performance, um, James Woods. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but so, again, that's that's another so, one. So is the only thing that you ha- so what haven't you seen? You haven't seen Alexander or World Trade Center. Uh, I believe I've seen Alexander. I just don't remember it all that well, and I don't remember. I get Alexander and Troy and something else that came out at the same time, like all mixed up in my head. Oh, um, Kingdom of Heaven was around that time too. Yeah, so it was. Like, yeah. Every trailer was basically the same thing, <laughs> right? And so right. all three of the like I. Kingdom of Heaven, I actually enjoy the director's cut of that quite a bit. I think it's yeah. a much better movie than the yeah. original movie. Yeah. Um, but Troy is not a good movie, and I just remember Alexander like not being so super impressed. Troy, Troy's got one really fucking great scene. Um uh with um who is that Priam, right? Is the king. Yeah. Like when um Achilles goes into the tent and talks to Priam. Um, when Pete goes in the tent and like with who who, who played Priel? Who's the old fucking? You don't remember that shit. 
What? Okay. It's, I mean, it's almost 20 years now since I've seen Troy. Um, I think I've, I, I'm almost positive I fell asleep watching Troy. Who, do, who the fuck played Jordan the Greek? Fuck. Anthony Quinn. Um, that's who played Freedom, right? Mm. Maybe. I really don't remember that movie, Chris, at all. I apologize. Okay. All right. And it's probably not even Anthony Quinn. It's probably somebody else. Completely. And it's definitely not a movie I would ever watch again. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen World Trade Center, W, Wall Street, He Never Sleeps, or Savages. So I don't really have any. Um. Funny though, he executive produced some pretty good stuff though. People versus Larry Flint, um, Joy Luck Club. That's about it. It's Peter O'Toole that plays pretty. Um, same person uh, sorry I'm going back to Oliver Stone here did you see the Wall Street sequel no uh, I haven't I haven't seen anything since Alexander okay all right okay um yeah that'd be interesting like because you're pretty you're pretty complete I have seen almost every one of his movies yeah yeah I see more than I thought now looking at it but um yeah, I mean, I, I I love JFK. Like, uh, I'm I was really into reading about Kennedy and the assassination and stuff like that as kids. So I I really look. It's skewed. It's inaccurate just in a lot of ways. But I I think it's a really strong movie. Um, I, I think it's that Natural Born Killers and for me and um. I need to watch more on the 4th of July again. I was too young, probably, but I remember liking it, even though I was like 11 or 12 when I saw it, probably. You know? It's a good movie. It's a good yeah. movie with a pretty iconic performance. I, I had to watch that period. again, but I guess after that, I would probably say Wall Street would be my top three. I wish Natural Born Killers was just a little bit better of a movie, honestly. Or just not so much like just swamped in its own excess. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I have not watched that movie since the late 90s either, I believe. Um, I think I'd be blessed when I watched it on video. I'd seen it like fucking six times, but it's like that, it was still late 90s, probably when the last time I saw it. When do you remember um, when yeah, I was dating? It was early 2000s. That's what it was. So it was when it came on DVD when the DVD got released. That's what it was. So. When I was dating Aaron, we watched it together. So okay. it's been. Eight years, maybe, since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not really something I would watch with Frankie. I don't think at this point yet. Plus, I don't know that he would be super into it quite yet. Right. So, um, nah, yeah, he, he he can watch that. What, 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 what's the problem? I don't think he would like it that much. Oh, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think he would be super into it. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought you meant like. Like he wasn't like ready for it or something like that. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw this in the theater. Like Natural Born Killers, um, they actually enforced the NC 17 on that movie. Um and um uh Bledsoe and I had to get my mom to go with us so we could watch it. Um I don't I remember just going in. No, you know what it well, was. Well, you would you would have been old enough. Mm. I think. Maybe. You're three years older than me, right? What year is Natural Born Killers? 94? 94? Yeah. 
depends on when it was released. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can probably find that out. August the 26th, 94. Yeah, so I would have been just 17. Right. Oh, what am I thinking about? As soon as 94 happened, I was 17. Right, right. So, right. yeah. So let's, let's came out like January 12th, right? Right, right. Then I would have been fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to go back and revisit that one at some point, too, and say just because I have fond memories of it, but that could be a teenager's view as opposed to an adult's view. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's 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 enough about Oliver Stone. Like, um, I I just thought I'd bring it up because I don't know when those any of those movies get talked about. Honestly, I mean, um, yeah, Platoon might have the chance to make a list. Right. I don't know top five I mean, conspiracy movies or something like you natural know, born killers might make a list yes that, that would point. be the one that could actually yeah 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 okay top five 90 movies that haven't aged well or something like okay. that so six out of ten for the movie non-applicable for the cage score um well it wasn't as bad as uh i thought it could have could have been I, I thought it could have been really bad like, right. I thought it was going to be um, a whole lot worse, to be honest with you. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be nigh unwatchable. Um, yeah. But I also assumed that Nick Cage would have a much larger role in it. I sure. had no idea that he'd only be in it for. Like, when they started the movie and he's one of the first. Like, name actors that you see, it's like, oh, OK, like yeah. it's going to be this the whole time. But then they just, you know really just use them to set a scene or whatever sure. so minor, minor prints or whatever yeah I, I don't think you're going to have the same experience whenever you get around to watching World Trade Center mm-hmm. um, oh no that movie's all Nick Cage well it's all Nick Cage no <laughs> I mean and I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a pleasant surprise um, I just have Could a be. feeling that it's, that it's not um, you always claim that I hate disaster movies and you might be right I don't know that I hate him. I just think that a disaster movie has to really hit hit the mark for me to appreciate it. Because otherwise, I just find him to be like super tedious. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I have this feeling. Um, it's like because I I looked it up once um, when we were doing this podcast, and it's like it has a 67% and um, from critics and a 60% from audiences. And that's given the subject nature, like that subject nature automatically increases that by at least, I would think 20% on all of those. So I have a feeling it's, and it's, it's probably going to be, especially given it's stone way too fucking heavy handed. Um, like on all the beats in World Trade Center, and you are going to hate it. Heavy-handed and tone-deaf, I think. Well, because the whole thing is... So it depends, because if it's... All right, here's my caveat to how I might actually enjoy this movie. 
if the movie is really just about Nicolas Cage and whoever plays his partner surviving this disaster without any shoehorn social commentary or weird ass Oliver Stone conspiracy theory shit. Sure. It actually might be enjoyable. I mean, it, yeah. it, it and look, be... I, I know it's Michael Pena that plays his partner in that. And Michael Pena is like way underrated, I think, by a lot of people, like in terms of his acting ability. So we'll see. I mean, I'm going to yeah. watch it within the next like two months. So it does have Mag Gyllenhaal, who, um, more I see of Mag Gyllenhaal in my life, the less, um, I'm impressed, but she's, um, She's a very one-note actress, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that note is. <laughs> oh, that's uh, there, there, there's things I there's things I've seen her that I like, but um, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just being I'm just being mean. Yeah. Anyway, but but at the same time, like uh, yeah, it's it, you're right. Yeah, you know that I find well. Maggie Gyllenhaal super attractive, though, right? Uh, I yeah, I I I get that. I I I didn't say anything about her attractiveness. Um. You know, uh, you know, could be that um, I saw Secretary be engaged. So I mean, um, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I love her. Um, but yeah, but uh, the, the longer I go, although she's she's good in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind too. I remember now that I think about it, like oh, yeah. old Chez and that, and um, yeah, there's a there's a super underrated movie right there. Uh, it is, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, again, like eh, maybe, maybe like the kind of I have to think of a better term for it. Maybe the conspiracy thing could work. Like you know, the um, I tried to posit this once and I couldn't get it right, and like we never went through with it. Yeah, but it's like a paranoid. Paranoid. But I said it. I said it was like man versus the machine. Oh yeah, right, right. And you were right. like, like we couldn't think of a better way to say that, and then we just like never really talked about it again. So yeah, maybe maybe it is like paranoid thrillers. Didn't we already like? Didn't I already like recommend that? Because that's how Parallax View came up to it with us a couple weeks ago. Um, Parallax View, Manchurian Candidate. I mean, there's a bunch of good ones. Yeah, yeah. I have paranoid thrillers in my list here, um, and. Um, the game, the game, and what what movies were we just talking about that didn't make that cut? <laughs> JFK. What was the other one that like you just said? Uh, we were just talking about that Maggie Gyllenhaal. Was in. Oh, Confessions oh. of a Dangerous Mind. That would probably be on that list. That's a, that's a super underrated movie. Yeah, you know what else doesn't get enough credit? I think for being as good. And this is completely off topic and has nothing well, to do with anything. Let's just talk about George Clooney now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Um, Charlie Wilson's War, mm. really great. Tom Hanks' performance, really great. Philip Seymour Hoffman' performance, well directed, interesting. Yeah, talking about a time period that's close enough that it feels like part of your life, but far enough away where you don't really remember it because we were kids. <clears throat> just um, really well done movie that was small and just kind of came and went. I really like that movie a lot, though. Yeah, Charlie Wilson's War is um is good. I mean, and um, that, well, shit. I mean, it's yeah, it's when we were kids, certainly. But 
god damn it that's like doesn't just we should end it now that ties into exactly what like you were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast in terms of like um living with this shit all of our lives i mean because that's you know completely like on the day that like afghanistan falls back to the taliban it's like yeah um yeah but it feels like the russians it feels like the russians go away when they're not a convenient villain and then when somebody needs like a easily identifiable villain to bring front and center to make a political statement like all of a sudden you get fucking um the russians again yeah that's true um yeah, but that uh, Confession of the Danger of Mind, though, like that's one because Clooney directed that, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Clooney directed it, and or uh, let me look it up and make sure I'm not misremembering that. Um, that's 2002. Oh, Jesus. I remember fucking watching that shit. Um, Chuck's house. Yeah, it's Clooney's director. You didn't see it in the theater with me? No. No, me. I don't. I saw it when me, you, and Chuck watched it. Um, probably on that like massive ass, um, you know, tube. Or uh, was that a was that a tube or a plasma? Oh, it was a tube TV. Tube, yeah, massive. It is George um, Clooney. Yeah, it's it's Clooney directed. Um, but yeah, and it's one of the first roles that I saw Clooney in that he that he didn't rely at all on his something we'll talk about in a couple weeks too um with a movie that's going to be on the primary podcast but it's like one of the first movies where it's like he didn't engage in the whole like let me stare at my feet and then turn my eyes up and charm you um shit that he used to do all the time um and uh it it was really impressive like even though it was a small role like um i remember that was really impressive but oh that makes sense it was written by charlie kaufman yeah um but yeah, no, I I really like that movie a lot. Um Me too. I, I wonder though, is is that paranoid? I mean it is, but is that paranoid thriller? We're gonna have to like revisit that whole idea and like try to think of because that, that involves conspiracy too, like I don't know. Let's think about it. But yeah. All right. Um so uh, all right, I, I'm pleased uh, for you at least that it wasn't as uh, painful as um, I hey, expected know, it, that it would be. Uh, but again, I don't really feel like I watched the Nick Cage movie either. Like sure. I don't have anywhere near the same feeling that I usually would. So yeah, it almost shouldn't even count. But I mean, we got to do it. So yeah, and now it's done. It is all right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Deuces. <laughs>